0: listening.
1: word there is we literally no longer know what we're saying when we say it and in fact we say nothing that is Jean-Luc Marion the phenomenologist
2: phenomenal excellent (laughs) love yeah is, is that kind of what your sermon's going to be about love I guess that's what the verse is about
1: seems like it's a lot about love
2: yeah yeah all right. Um, well, hey, I'm so glad, everyone, that you uh, you found us on the radio here today. You could join us in our service of worship for, uh, yeah, it's the sixth Sunday after Easter. I don't know what difference that means. But if you're marking things off on your liturgical calendar, that's where we are. Hey, speaking of welcome, we... Well, I want to welcome you to our in-person, outside, socially distanced service on June 20th. That's right, in just about a month, we are all going to meet together uh, on, the, on the humble lawn here at House of Mercy. So that's 5 p.m. June 20th. Uh, of course, uh, we'll be socially distanced, wearing masks, uh, etc. And uh, rain or
1: shine, right?
2: Rain or shine. Yeah, that's right. Surely it
3: won't be 30 degrees.
2: No. I don't think we have to
3: worry about that.
2: <laughs> no, we won't have to worry about that. And uh, I think that, uh, yeah, bring if you want to bring uh, a blanket to sit on or a camp chair or a lawn chair or, um, you know.
1: Umbrella, if uh, appropriate. Umbrella, you
2: know? if appropriate. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Galoshes. Well, I guess you guys know outer dress. But it will be so good to, uh, to, to hear some music and uh, uh, hear some words and uh, just be together. And then, yeah,
1: it will be very good. Should I go ahead and? Do it. Oh, yeah. So, and then July 11th, we're planning to start uh, opening up again indoors. We'll still be socially distanced and masked even though the governor isn't even requiring that of us, we kind of still like to proceed with that caution. But July 11th, first indoor service at the House of Mercy for a bazillion years.
2: I know it seems weird. It practically seems irresponsible and a little <laughs> scary. But, <laughs> but hey, I think yeah. the time has come. And so July yeah. 11th, yeah, it's going to be um, – it's going to be, we're calling it a little bit of a soft openness and maybe not going to be the full on, there's not going to be hymn singing, we're going to wear masks and uh, yeah, and we're going to do that uh, kind of until we all get a little bit used to it until uh, the beginning of September, it's going to be full on mercy, the whole service, everything. Less- yep. Yeah, right. I don't guess I don't even need a caveat or a but or an in case, uh, I think we'll just, we're going to do it. Yeah, we are. I mean, did you say no buts? No buts, no caveats, no, uh, you know, precautions, precautions to the wind. I know that seems that is irresponsible. We're going to be safe, but we're going to be together and we're uh, just be so great to have everybody, everybody back here.
1: I mean there's always a bet. I mean there could be a whole new pandemic.
2: I know I was gonna try. I was gonna go there too, but I was gonna try not to go there. You know, it's just got a little bit you know, but of course, yeah. yeah. Well
1: no, let's keep our hope up.
2: Anybody who's lived through the last year knows that any kind of thing could happen.
1: Any kind of thing, but yeah.
2: Yeah. But peace and love and uh and, and hope and yeah. Yeah. Because and after uh, all go ahead. I was gonna say, this is the House of Mercy and welcome to it. I had a real smooth transition there. I like it. Won't you please join me now in the prayer of invocation? God of mercy, grant us the peace to pause in this moment and the grace to simply be in your presence. Guide us to consider what it might mean to abide in you and for your spirit to abide in us Give us the understanding that as you abide in us, you abide in every other body, in every living being, you abide. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you all and also with you.
0: If I have wounded any soul today, if I cause one foot to go, stray. If I have walked in my own willful way, dear Lord, forgive. If I have uttered idle words or vain, if I have turned aside from want or pain, lest I offend some other through the strain. You know. secret sins I do not see oh guide me love me and my keeper be dear the Lord
2: you please join me now in the prayer of community. I'll end each prayer with Lord in your mercy and I invite you to respond. Hear our prayer. God of mercy, it seemed that spring was always going to be a long time coming, that around every corner was some new kind of grayness or heart dulling overcast. Thank you for bringing us through all. And and though these times of trouble are not over, we can see some bright sky, some green freed from the soil, heads turning toward the sun. We are grateful for all the beauty, mundane and spectacular, in your creation. All the birds nesting and the people leaving their nest. From every morning, to every evening. Thank you. God in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, give us the strength, the hope in the days of injustice. Give us the wisdom to stand with those victimized by the powerful in a way that does not further marginalize them. Remind us to listen and to respond with humility and steady grace. Surround the family, friends, and all whose lives are broken by violence, racism, and systemic injustice. God in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, we confess we have not loved you with all that we are we confess that we have hurt those that we love the people in our lives and those that pass through our lives with the things that we have done said or left unsaid we are confident that you judge us with your grace God of mercy now meet us in this time of silence where we have only to breathe in your mercy God, in your mercy, hear these prayers. God of mercy, we pray for those in our lives and those who pass through our lives who are in need of physical, emotional, or physical healing. We pray for all those who continue to fight the coronavirus. We pray for those who are living with cancer and other devastating illnesses in this chaotic time. We pray for those who are dying. Give them every measure of peace and a palpable love. We pray for those who mourn the death of a dear one. We pray for those of us whose mental illness is magnified in these times of isolation. We pray for those of us who are facing these troubled times in prison. We pray for those who are imprisoned by addiction. We pray for those who are profoundly lonely. For all of these, we ask, bless them, take them in your arms, hold them to you, give them what they need healing, grace, understanding, acceptance, or peace. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Amen.
3: The scripture reading for tonight is from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant,
1: The Word of the Lord. When you've been reading a lot of Mark's Gospel and the lectionary, and then you go to read John, Jesus seems like a totally different character. What strikes me most is how much he talks, which is a lot, paragraph after paragraph of uninterrupted, sometimes hard-to-follow talking discourses. And Mark Jesus is a little quiet and mysterious. And John, he's verbose and repetitive. Repeating the same word over and over again, it, it doesn't seem like a great way to communicate. It's like a cardinal rule in writing, don't use the same word 25 times in one paragraph. Abide, abideth, abides, love, love, loves. The reader starts to glaze over after a while i mean it's a good word love or i don't know it's an okay word it's it's overused i mean i overuse it for sure marianne a french philosopher says love is the most prostituted word there is we literally no longer know what we're saying when we say it and in fact we say nothing If anything's clear from the Gospel of John, it's that love is at the center of everything. It's the source and the outcome, the origin and the destination. It's everything. It unlocks mercy. It is the Christian practice. But what is it? And to say God is love? I don't think that exactly makes it any more comprehensible. It's like putting together two words that both represent unfathomable depths. But maybe the gospel writer knew what he was doing. We don't get easy definitions, absolute clarity, a map. We get cavernous, roomy questions to keep us engaged, grappling. Maybe John's Not trying so much to be clear, but to write a labyrinth that will keep us walking, around, moving. He purposefully makes it hard to grab hold of anything because this gift, love, isn't like a neat package. We don't receive it in our hands and hold on to it. We're sent out to explore it, walk around in it, and it's huge, and there's All sorts of terrain, deserts and farms and streets and beds and oceans and dragons. That seems like an adventure. I give you love. Now go on out there live in it. See if you can discover what it is. Make things, art, babies, music, quilts, feed people, dissent. Lay down your life for a friend. Give of your life to others. That my joy may be in you, Jesus says, and that your joy may be complete. I mean, that sounds beautiful. Not like some stark, exacting, moral decision, not tortuous. That my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. Sounds like a beautiful gift. Maybe I don't need to know what it means exactly. Of course you can't write it down on a memo and tape it to the wall. We live in the love. Does that seem too spacious? I read a lot of commentary on these verses and one of the things that came up, not infrequently, is this idea that Christian love, Christian joy, it's not like other love and other joy, so don't get too excited. Christian love and Christian joy, it's its not like natural love. I remember this so well from my Christian education, being taught the important distinctions between agape, eros, and filial. It seemed especially important to, rem- to remove anything associated with eros from the definition of Christian love. I think this was supposed to help us Understand what the Bible means by love, what God means. Christian love wasn't something all tangled up with passion or feelings or flesh. So good thing we had this Greek word agape, so you could clearly differentiate between the kind of love God gives you and the kind of love you might really like. But agape here, agape there. The Hebrew scripture talks about God as our lover. Isaiah says God's love for us is like a woman's love for her baby nursing at her breast. The Gospel of John talks about the love between Christ and his beloved as that between the bride and the bridegroom. And the Song of Solomon talks about it like, Oh, that you would kiss me with the kiss of your mouth, for your love is better than wine. You have ravished my heart, how sweet is your love, eat friends, and drink, drink deeply, O lovers. The word used in the Bible for love may often be agape, but the images throughout the text don't leave you with the impression that the love of God, the source, and the destination of life is some passionless or, or cerebral, purely painful or puritanical-ish thing. Maybe it's difficult to have complete mathematical clarity about what it means, love, to be creatures made from love and for love. And maybe in the church's attempt to understand, it's often been sidetracked by a sort of suspicion of flesh and pleasure and nature and human creativity, so that it it ends up with this Christian thing. Christian love, Christian joy. Something that passes for love and joy, but something that you have to talk yourself into. Seems unexciting, if you're honest. A little drab, sterile, like, who'd want to live there, like, really, like, with your all, with all of your heart and with all of your soul and mind. I guess when I'm talking about that, I'm thinking mostly of the vibes of the form of church I'm most familiar with, white, Protestant, North American. One of Nietzsche's most penetrating critiques of Christianity was that Christians were a joyless people. Paul Tillich said he almost left the faith for the same reason. Nietzsche wondered, why with all their talk of redemption don't the followers of Christ look a little more redeemed? I mean, I I get why it it might seem important to stress that Christian love is something we do, but we don't necessarily feel. We need to feed the hungry. We need to give up the privilege bestowed on us by systems that oppress our brothers and sisters. We need to share our resources even if we don't feel like it. But that doesn't mean love doesn't include feeling Maybe it includes all sorts of them. We lack, and we long, we are bereft, and we revel, we suffer, and we suck up sweetness, exploring the territory of love, maybe. Love in the Bible doesn't really look like some puritan or prudish, moralistic thing. Dividing it up into categories may diminish it, as if, as if it could fit in a column, as if we have a self apart from our senses and bodies and relationships. Of course, Christian love includes serving, but it's not servitude. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. It doesn't seem like he's trying to make us servile Puritans. Love is not selfish. It's also not sterile. If it was something purged of natural messiness, why would Jesus call it fruit? Abide in my love and bear fruit. It's kind of a funny thing to say, actually. Fruit, strawberries, apples, bananas, fruits messy and juicy, not always, but often. A fruit is a ripened ovary. A nut is a type of fruit. Earlier on, Jesus tells his disciples, I judge no one. Seems like a guy that might be open to a wide variety of fruit. Fruits are so diverse that it's difficult to to devise a classification scheme that includes all known fruits. And there are probably plenty of fruits that we don't even have names for, undiscovered fruits. The fruit we bear is the love we make. Some commentators think this passage is really supposed to be confined to the grapevine. The fruit is grapes. Jesus wants grapes. Jesus says the fruit of love is grapes. He just wants grapes. That seems unlike him. For God so loved the world, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. That's a lot. A lot of life. Magnolia, peas, beans, cucumbers, tomatoes. Fruit can be bitter, sweet, stringy, lush, dry. Some spices are fruit, actually, allspice, chilies. Some fruit isn't progressive. There's fruit in the desert. Fruit grows in the backyards of Republicans from Georgia. Father Zosima says... Love in reality is a harsh and dreadful thing compared to love and dreams, and I totally believe that. Even people who are totally in love know that it comes with pain, that it's not constant delight. It isn't always delightful to shelter people without homes, to have conversations with your enemies. But it can be. Love can be mundane and it can be thrilling and it can be painful. Paul says it's patient and kind, but don't you think it's also impatient at times? I'm pretty sure of it. Osage orange fruits are used to repel cockroaches. Core is a fiber from the fruit of a coconut used to make rugs, and the shell of the coconut fruit is used to make souvenir heads, cups, bowls, musical instruments, bird houses. Jesus says, you did not choose me, I chose you. Marion, the philosopher says, we encounter being when we first experience love. It isn't, I think therefore I am, it is, "I, I am loved therefore I am. And this love is the reason I care about whether I exist or not. We are loved. And we love, whether we want to or not. Not always well or in the best possible way, but love is part of what we are made of. It created us. Paul is adamant that love doesn't originate in human hearts. It's not a human possibility. It's a gift from God. We have our being in love. We don't choose love, it chooses us. Christian love isn't some separate arena that we walk into at will, leaving our eros and filio and selfishness and pettiness at home. It is our home. What if you looked at your neighbors and all the people at Target and the woman that pulls up next to you at the Super America station and you never even thought to judge them and you trusted in the love of God where we all abide and you just thought I wonder what kind of fruit they're growing probably something interesting Jesus says you did not choose me I chose you bear your fruit love one another feed each other Whatever you have, grow cantaloupe, write poems, light cigarettes for condemned prisoners like Mother Teresa did, give away all your money or a little of it, stand between a well-armed police officer and a black neighbor. You abide in the love of God, in the grace of God. It's an expansive space. Explore it.
2: This is the Lord's table and all are welcome. On the night before he suffered, our Lord took bread, gave thanks for it, broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for all of you. Take and eat. And after the meal, he took the cup and said, this is my blood which is shed for the forgiveness of all sins. As often as you drink this, do so in remembrance of me. Amen. When you stray
0: from the To hear the message say.
2: of our Creator move you and move with you through the days until we gather together again. Amen.